There is a identity crisis in the world today. There is, there is. I mean, it's all around us. We don't have to get and talk about it. I want to share things about the word, but there's an identity crisis. But even in the church, there's an identity crisis. Say, what do you mean about that? Well, not, not many people know their spirits. How do you get good at being a spirit if you don't even know you are one? Right? There's not much about this world that will help you to find you. If you can't find you, how are you going to find him that lives in you? Our last daughter that's going to come and live with us in October, you know, when she was younger, we went to her last parent-teacher conference. Those are always really interesting, you know, especially because she was the daughter that we had to um, talk to. And discipline more so than any other. She was naughty. So anyhow, she was fun. She was cute as can be, so you couldn't kill her or anything, you know, but she was naughty. <laughs> and so any, anyhow, we went. We didn't know what to expect. And we sat down. A gentleman was her teacher. And he said, well, Mr. and Mrs. Hockaday, thank you for coming. We want to talk to you, to you about your daughter, Chloe. And I said, yes, we'd love to hear some wonderful things. And he said, well, to start with, I just want to say, if there were more students like your daughter Chloe in this school, it would be a better place. And I said, that is so nice of you to say. Can you explain why you said that? (laughs) And he said, yes, I'd love to. He said, number one, he said she's very sharp and she gets her work done seemingly before anyone else does. And all on her own, she'll get up and walk around to some of the other students and see if they need any help. Well, Aaron's sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and when she, he used the word help, her foot came over and touched my foot. And just that gesture alone seemed to indicate I needed to do something, so I said, did you use the word help? And he said, yes, I did. I said, that's very interesting. Thank you. I said, is there anything else? He said, well, uh, when the class is over, I never asked her to, but she'll come up to the front of the auditorium and clean everything up on my desk and around the desk so that I'm ready for my next, my next class. Now, when he said the word clean, she already had her foot on my foot, but now she pushed against it so hard, I had to put some weight on it so she didn't push my foot right out of. So that gesture said, you better ask him about that word. I said, did you use the word clean? He said, yes, I did. I said, we'd like to meet this person. You know, you're one thing for one person. You're another thing to another person. To your relatives, (laughs) you definitely are something. And to your parents, you're one thing. To somebody else's parents, you're another thing. Right? And you are someone to your employer or, or to the employee, to your teacher or to the student. Who are we when we come to church? Do we know who we are? (laughs) <laughs> in a service, and we're worshiping, and someone came in and sat right in front of me, and before they sat, we were still worshiping, and so she, she put her stuff down, and then she went into the greatest display of the lifting of hands I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I don't think I can even get close to it, but we were just worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden, she went into this. And I mean, it was all over the place, and I just took my hands down and just watched. 
I mean, it wasn't like it was anointed, but it was spectacular. <laughs> and all I thought on the inside is, I wonder if she, that's the way she works, worships when she's at home. Or does that display only come when she's in the church? See, we've got to locate us. Because in the locating of us, we find him. And John said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Now, we find him through the word, but he didn't say this is the confidence we have in the word. This is the confidence we have in our prayer. This is the confidence we have in our study. He said, this is the confidence we have in him. See, your prayer and your study and the word and all that you receive here at church helps you to find him. But your confidence is going to be in him. When push comes to shove, it's what you know about what? Him. I was doing a study one time on my computer. I had a BibleSoft program. And I put in the word fasting. Now, if you watch my fingers, F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Boom. And believe came up. Well, I wasn't that quick or sharp as maybe you would have been, so I just X'd out and I said, F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Believe. F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Believe. And I said, Lord, are you messing with my computer? I could have figured that out the first time. Are you messing with my computer? And the Holy Ghost said, I want you to read this. And what came up was the word pistis concerning Genesis chapter 15, where Abram was in consultation with God about what God had already said to him, that you're going to be the father of many nations, and you're going to possess this great amount of land, and so on and so forth. Remember? And remember, Abraham, or Abram at that point, asked God, how shall I know that I shall inherit this, or excuse me, that I shall have this son? He said, go outside and look at the stars and see if you can number them. So shall your descendants be. And Abraham went outside and he believed. Well, it was easy for him to believe because God actually gave him something to do that Abraham or Abram was already very connected to. What do you mean? Well, he was a moon worshiper. So what do you see when you worship the moon? The stars. So he'd seen those stars in a time of worship where they were very real to him. And so when God said, go out and look at the stars, well, he didn't say, you know, what is the theory of, you know, the geometrical whatever, your calculus. When you figure that out, then I'll tell you. No, he gave him something simple. Like how many apples are there? There's two. Good. You get to hear what I have to say. See, God doesn't want to make anything difficult. He wants to meet you where you are at. So then it said right there in Vine's uh, dictionary, it said, Abram did not believe in, listen to these words, in God's impersonal words. He believed in God himself. In other words, words are impersonal if you don't know the person. It's when you experience the person that the words have such meaning to back up the experience to the person. So it all comes down to how real is God to you? Because in the time of struggle, it's not just the words that you have. It's the person that backs up the words that you're connected to that causes the power to flow. So turn your Bibles. 
Amen. Over to John 1. Isn't that great? We said turn your Bibles not to the Reader's Digest or something else. Thank God we're still reading the Bible. Amen. Amen. So I'll share this real quickly about our Healing by Design Healing Center. Uh, we can't wait to get into our own building, have it begin to even become much more exciting where there's more and more people that come. But just so you know, one of our one of our dreams and visions that's going to come to pass is we're going to have a laboratory attached to the healing center. And God's already brought us a couple of doctors that have their own laboratory and going to show us how to take us through. It's actually going to be quite extensive to go through all the paperwork for about six months to get this laboratory up and going. And uh, we'll have tw uh, 10 doctors down in Atlanta, Georgia that will be on our team that will send all of the blood work and the x-rays, MRIs, ultrasound, all that stuff too. And then they'll bring, give us back all of the results. But we're going to use the laboratory in conjunction with the healing center so that uh, we can prove and verify everything. The world needs this proof. I believe that's one of the next steps. Not just to say, hey, we had 100 healings. Yeah, right. But to say we had 100 healings, here's the proof and doctor verification. Amen? Amen? So we're real excited about that. I believe the Lord is going to help us in that endeavor. Okay, here we are. Jesus, you know, he's, he's getting his group of 12 together. And it says the following day, and this is in verse 43, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. This is the New King James Version. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. In other words, Nathanael knew no one knew he was there. He was by himself. And Nathanael was crying out to God. And if God saw Nathanael, Jesus saw Nathanael. And so now he says, this is really great, isn't it? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said to him, that's right, boy, don't you forget it. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't display uh, arrogance. Notice what he said, and this is super important. Jesus said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now look at what just got through happening here. Jesus said to Nathanael, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael acknowledged what just happened as Jesus is Lord, the Messiah, and Jesus, in turn, almost sounds like we're playing tennis here. Jesus, in turn, said, did you like that? And Nathaniel's like, that's amazing. Would you like to see more? Oh, I'd love to see more. 
Well, then just hang out with me and you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, look at what just happened. Jesus approaches him. He receives what Jesus said. He acknowledges back to Jesus how important it was that Jesus said what he said. And he honored him. And through that honor and acknowledgement, Jesus now responds back to him by saying, I've got more than just this. And now we've got volley serve, volley serve, volley serve. In other words, this is called sowing and reaping. You sow into the spiritual things, you'll love the spirit, reach, reap eternal life. You sow into the flesh, you'll love the flesh, reap corruption. You sow unto Jesus acknowledgement, and you shall reap the benefit of seeing and experiencing more. What happens when you see more? You're going to acknowledge again the more that you see. What's God going to do with that? Open your heart to see more. See, can we at least admit today, even though we're at a place we trust that's in a better place than we've been before, but can we at least admit there's a lot more? There's a lot more. My relationship has never been this good, but I feel like I'm just beginning. I mean, when I sensed the Lord talk to me the other night, and then I proved it out, and it was Him, I want that again. I want that, like, all the time. When I came to the service, and that presence, as the pastor said a few things, came on me, and I felt heat in my body, and the next morning, the symptoms were gone. I want that again. See, it was wonderful, but I can't stop. It's not a one and done. Now, the world will condition you to think, well, you know, not everybody has an experience like that. You ought to be just really happy that you had one. I mean, who do you think you are to have two? My God, you won the lottery for crying out loud. What are you doing going to 7-Eleven and buying every single day more tickets? Not everybody can win the lottery. Well, it was such a great experience, I thought I'd go ahead and have another one. Well, you can't do that. How greedy are you? Come on, this is the world's mentality. How often do we get to tell mother that she's actually special or father that he's once a year? Huh? The world will only let you tell mother and father that they're special once a year. Do you see the limitations and the boundaries that are all around us at all times? Even in the church world, somebody has an experience with an angel. And the first thing that somebody wants to say is, be careful, don't try to have another one or you'll get a devil. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm going to get a devil? Because I want to repeat that experience that was so amazing? That's like terrible. That's horrible. I'll never have another experience then. Oh, God, please help me. I don't want to get a devil. Who does that seem to serve? The devil. Just because someone had that kind of experience. But what we don't tell people is they were a nutcase. In other words, wrong motives, wrong thoughts, insecure. And they put themselves in a position to have what? To have the devil deceive them. But when your heart loves Jesus 
and he's real to you one day, don't be afraid to have him be real to you again. Amen. It's actually okay. Hmm. You kind of get an, in, uh, an idea where we're going with this? See, there's some things happening in this room right now. How do you know? It always happens. What do you mean? Over 35 years of just being in ministry. I know what happens when I get into a room. How God will want to work. And if I stay sensitive, some things are going to happen just because I'm bringing some things to the plate. Other things are going to happen because people are bringing things to the plate. And if we can talk accurately the truth of God's word, it'll bring us together where a lot of stuff can happen right in this room. So if I were you and you've got some type of symptoms in your body and there's certain places you can't move or can't do, I'd, while the service is going on the next few moments, I'd start to move and start to do. Because you'll see that you're being healed right here. Now, let's look real quickly. Philemon 1 and verse 6, it says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. How is my faith going to become effective? Through acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What does it simply mean? Acknowledgement is a means of invitation. What do you mean? Well, when you acknowledge something, it really presents an invitation for the person you're acknowledging to actually want to do something again. In other words, you go to someone's home and you walk into the home and say, man, this is a beautiful home. You guys keep a beautiful home. Well, you're acknowledging. And what are they thinking? I never want to have you come again. No, they're thinking that is so kind. And you sit down for a meal, and I mean, you take a bite of the biscuit and think, this is one of the best biscuits I've ever had. This is really beautiful. Well, do you think they'd ever want to maybe do that again? Yeah, what would happen if we actually talk like that to the Lord? And now here's the interesting thing. You know, that biscuit might be as good as someone else's biscuit, but it's really good to you in that moment. Well, God's biscuits are the best you've ever had. You can't outdo acknowledging him for everything he's done because it doesn't get any better. So you can embellish it as much as you want. Lord, this is amazing. I mean, this is just really amazing. I'm really enjoying myself here in church this morning. Glory to God. And if you to acknowledge that you're enjoying yourself in church, God start enjoying you while you're in church. I mean, just think about it. What's the potential that people come and they sit down, and the moment they sit down, they actually go somewhere? Oh, I've watched this for years. Lights are on, but no one's home. And then you realize it's like a daycare center. You expect me to take care of you while you go somewhere else. You say, well, I, I, really, I, I don't get what you're saying. People's minds wander. Do you know right now in the United States of America, the average adult can only hold their focus six to eight. I know you think I'm going to say minutes, seconds. Six to eight seconds. Let me show you exactly what this looks like. One, two, three, four, five. Huh? Where are we learning this? We're learning this from all the social medias. Flipping, 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 flipping. Can't focus on any. Oh, brother, I'm a multitasker. Well, bless your darling heart. 
you should not be proud about that. You say, well, wait a minute, I can do quite a few things at the same time. I understand that. But you're learning the skill that is in opposition to actually finding God. God wants you to know one thing at one moment, and that is focus on him until you find him. Amen. What do you mean, find him? God's so real that if you'll focus inwardly, you'll sense that he's there. Come on, it doesn't take much to sense things that are on the inside. You go have a meal this afternoon, and then you go home and go, oh, Lord, man, that was a lot of food. Yeah, you're sensing something that's on the inside. It's just your sense and your physical senses. Do you realize when you came alive in Christ that your spiritual senses came alive? No, when you get to heaven, your spiritual senses are not going to come alive. They're already alive. So how come that I don't see things that are spiritual? Because you're too inundated with the things you see that are physical. How come I don't hear his voice? Because you're listening to other voices. How come I don't feel his presence? Because you're too well adjusted to the presence that you feel. To have one, you have to decrease the other. If you want the other, you have to... It's got to go in a balance scale. If you want more God in your life, then it's less of you and less of the world. Well, I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Well, how's it going for you? How's it working for you? Amen. See, people get real serious about God when something happens in their life. The other day, someone came to me and said, I've done everything that I can do. I guess I'm going to have to believe God. I said, I feel so sorry for you. It's a terrible thing. You're going to have to believe God. But maybe you'll finally get your healing now. People ask me all the time, how come it seems like God takes so long to heal? I said, because you've got to wait on you. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Scripture that we learned when we were little in our denominational church, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your understanding. Now, you understand this. It would be very easy for you to say, I trust the Lord with my understanding. I don't even know what my heart is. (laughs) But he wants you to trust the Lord from your heart and lean not to your reasoning and your understanding, right? Notice what the next part says. Acknowledging him in all your ways. How many ways? Does God want to be involved in everything you do? That is really crazy because that means all day long he actually wants to do stuff with you. Well, I'm going to go do some laundry. Yes, I'd love to. Well, I'm going to make, the, yes, I'd love to. I'm going out into the, you know, into the, the woodshed to work. On, yes, I'd love to. Well, Lord, I'm sure you don't. No, I would. I really would. But I'm going to do the mowing. Yes, I would love to hang out with you while you're mowing. But I was just going to do some trim. Oh, I love trim. Yes, things are trimmed out so wonderful up here. I'd love to see yours. Yes, 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 yes. Well, Lord, I was just going to go get some gas. Yes, I'd love to go with you to get some gas. In fact, I have some things I'd like to talk with you while I'm going to get some. Come on. Preach it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So acknowledging is a form of invitation. 
So you have to actually interact. Oh, well, then that takes me over to Thessalonians where Paul said, pray without ceasing. Oh, not just when you good and well feel like you're ready to pray. Pray what? Without ceasing. So what is prayer? Asking God to do something for you? No, prayer would be better said interaction with God. So what he's saying is interact with him without ceasing. Well, how do you interact with somebody that's not there? That's difficult. Yet if they're there, Come on. you can interact with them all the time. Now, this next illustration, I'll use me as the goat, okay, because, and that's not the greatest of all times, as, as the real goat, okay, <laughs> because it's not necessarily a good illustration. I've been saved for 26 years longer than I've been married. I've been saved for 57 years. I'm sure there's someone that may be a little bit older than I am that maybe has been saved longer than that. I'm not sure. But don't raise your hand because it's not a good illustration, okay? <laughs> I've been saved for 57 years. I've been married for 32. You would think I would have more stories in 57 years with Jesus than I have in 32 years with my wife Erin. But the truth is, I could stand here until the sun comes up in the morning for weeks and weeks and weeks and tell you stories about our interaction because we're always with each other and we're always interacting. As simple as the things we said this morning to each other, the coffee that I ran down and got for her this morning with half and half cream, the right amount <laughs> to make the coffee the perfect color. So she can put it in her amber mug that has a heating unit on the bottom. Ember, ember mug that has a heating unit on the bottom and keep it at 145 degrees for at least two hours. I should be a salesman for, for this company. Some of you think, you gotta be kidding me. I could keep my coffee without having to heat it up for two hours at 140, you can. I don't understand this whole world of coffee, that I have to actually have that coffee. She loves going to bed. Because the first thing that's going to happen in the morning <laughs> is she's going to have her coffee. And there's a woman right back there that knows exactly what you're talking about. She put her hands in her face the moment I said that. Has anybody ever, have ever felt that? Like, I can't wait to go to bed because when I get up in the morning, the first thing's going to happen is I'm going to get my... Are there other people like that? I'll take back all the things. No, I didn't say anything. But all the interaction I have with her is normal. I didn't marry a love letter. I married a person. So the only time we don't have interaction is when we're not actually with each other. Right? But Jesus said, and his last thing that he said is, I'll never leave you. Aren't last things important? 
Like he was trying to remind you that I'm with you all the time. Because what does that mean? Constant interaction. And not just walking with me, living in me. So I don't have to go find him. Unless I can't find me. If I can find me, I can find him. That's why I love over there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, in the Message Bible, it talked about, hey, when, when you pray, go in behind a closed door. Don't role play before God. Be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. What does that mean? That means just be yourself. Don't put on any airs before God. Hey, God, I'm just, no, no, God actually knows. Be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. That means your perception will change, and God will start to become real. God's in this room. He's always been in this room. He's in my heart. I can sense Him. He's always been in there. But you just got quiet enough where you could sense Him. Be still. And know that I'm God. What does that really mean? Interpretation. Be still and then you'll experience God. That's what it means. It doesn't mean when you're still, then you'll have intellectual knowledge about God. Amen. Paul even talked to us about that over in Ephesians chapter 3. In the Amplified, it said, knowledge without experience is mere knowledge. Huh? To know him is to experience him. What does God want to tell you something for? So you can have a new experience. Right? And your new experience does what? It not only blesses you, but it becomes a light and an example that Jesus is actually real. Hey, how did that happen in your life? Well, it's because I know the Lord. I know the Lord, meaning I experienced the Lord. Well, I'd like to experience him like that too. See, God wants us to know him. You can know a lot about him and still not know him. See, I've watched people confess perfect confessions and get worse and die. When you're in the healing ministry, you got to cut through all that garbage and get right down to the bare facts. You're not connected, Jack. What do you mean? The lights aren't on, but you turned the switch on. So something's wrong. Do a diagnostic. Find out where the problem is. If other lights are on, it's not that the circuits are blown. Maybe that one fuse, so go fix that fuse. If the fuses are fine, then you've got to go into the connections and see if the wires are connected. And if they're not, reconnect them, because the moment the power flows, the lights will be on. We're supposed to keep our light on. Don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. But to let it shine is to be connected. All right, we understand this connection stuff because we carry with us these cell phones that have to be connected in order for you to get a call through. Well, I've got good news for everybody. Through God's loving mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that was applied at the mercy seat where God could now, through Christ, sit down. For the first time, a high priest sat down. In the Mosaic law, the priest never sat down. In the temple, they had no chairs because the the sacrifice was continual. It never cleansed a man's sin. It covered them. But the moment Jesus presented his blood, it was a once-for-all sacrifice. And the first thing he did was to sit down. What did that say? It's over. over. The sin problem is over. 
What does it mean the sin problem is over? The hindrance and the veil that separates you from your father has been removed. You now have a clear pathway. What is Christianity? It is interaction with God, your father. Walking with him, talking with him, experiencing him. Now let me say this, hear this, hear this, definitely hear this. Anything that contributes to God being more real, you want to be involved with. That's one of the major reasons why you're here this morning. You know, there are other places that are open for services on a Sunday, but not all of them talk like this. And I'm just talking like your pastors talk. You get this every week. That's why people are out there getting people saved. Anything that contributes to God being more real. Reading your Bible. You don't have to. You get to. What a privilege. If I was the enemy, I'd have done away with this. Oh, they did that for a period of time. It was called the dark ages. And then when the Bible resurfaced, it was in another language so that people couldn't understand it. So then those that actually could read manipulated them so that it was about them serving their cause without finding God. Prayer, confession, all of these things contribute to God being real. And everything that contributes to that, be involved with it and get all the way in. What do you mean? Well, you know, everybody actually sees things different. So we're all going to go to the Grand Canyon and we're going to go sightseeing. Praise the Lord. You know, there may be some of you that think, I got here. I got here. That's as far as you go. There's other you that get there and you think, the gift shop, I got to go to the gift. Well, the Grand Canyon, I know, but I got to get the T-shirt. And three months later, someone said, you went to the Grand Canyon. I did. How did it look? Well, I, I, I just spent all my time in the gift shop. It was a beautiful gift shop. And there's others of you that all you want to do is fill your photo album. So you see it behind a camera. Did you see it? Well, I did. The pictures. You didn't see anything more? Well, I had the camera stuck to my face the whole time. <laughs> see, there's some of you that the moment you see it, all right, kids, get back in the car, and now you're gone. But there are some, even in this room, that when you get there, you want the whole experience. Sign me up for every tour. We'll get to the gift shop. Yes, we will. We're going to take pictures. Oh, you betcha. But I want to see it from side to side, from top to bottom. Every side. When somebody wants to do God like that, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you shall receive. I wonder why some seem so easily to receive and others seem. How you do life is how you'll do faith. And if your faith isn't working, it goes back to how you do life. For most people, 
Two plus two doesn't always equal four. Only when it's convenient. Because there are days when I don't feel like it and 2.5 is good enough. Or 3.5 is good enough. And so we rationalize. We compromise. Those words are not found in the Bible. The more absolute you live your life, the easier you will find him. Wow. All this is happening so quick, isn't it? I want to be asked back, though, brother. (laughs) The Message Bible says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. God's going to be speaking to you, everything you do, and everywhere you go. Wow, that's some pretty awesome interaction. I wonder if I could actually hear God's voice. Well, I love over there in Romans chapter 6, 10 and 11 in the Message Bible system, now that you know that sin speaks a dead language and means nothing to you, God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. Do you know what it's like to be in another country, especially another airport, and people are talking in languages you don't understand? It becomes just background noise. But all of a sudden you hear somebody go, hey, Joe, there's a McDonald's. And you go, where's the American? Right? Because it's your mother tongue. Isn't that interesting? The moment you become born again, your spiritual senses become heightened to God. It's a part of your DNA. I said it's a part of your DNA to know him, to feel him, to hear him, to sense him, to smell him, to taste of him. It's a part of your DNA. I was watching a video on Facebook, and it was of of this uh, pasture over probably in Ireland or Scotland, and these black-faced sheep. And, and this tour bus came, and all these tourists got off, and there was one of those old cobblestone fences that was about right here, mid-thigh level. And then, of course, behind it, there was a, a barbed wire fence, more modernized. And these tourists were trying to get, get the attention of the sheep. But all the sheep were together, and not one of them looked back to see what these idiots were trying to say. But you know which direction they were faced? The opposite direction of the people. So do you know what direction the hind side was faced? Oh, to the people. Kind of interesting. And all of a sudden in this video, the shepherd comes in aside and every little sheep takes his face and looks and then they prance over to the shepherd. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear me. And they follow me, but they do not even know the voice of a stranger. Do you know what that means? That means God put in the DNA of the sheep the ability to know and follow and hear the shepherd. It's not something they're trained to do. It's something that comes innate. And the moment you were born, I hear him. I see him. And I follow him. And if you'll believe that, you'll hear him. You'll see him. And you'll follow him. Now, real quickly, let's just look over here. There's, oh boy, you guys. Let's look over here at Matthew chapter 6. I'll pull up short. We can talk a little bit more about some of these things. But, oh, I'm just so thankful for some of the healings that are going to take place in just a couple of minutes. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We'll get to that in just a second. So, this is the Message Bible you can find. Listen, if I use a different translation, the translation I'm using just highlights 
the original King James or New King James. All right? In other words, I'm not going to give you something in here in the message and tell you the message says this, and it's totally different from the original language. All right? So if I'm giving you another translation, it highlights the original. All right? So just, just, just be relaxed. Don't freak out. Okay, so here we are, and I want you to go to verse 19 to 21 first. It says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths, corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth, moth, rust, and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? This is really tough right here. The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. That's tough. You say, Why? Because there's no wiggle room in that. Oh, I love the Lord with all my heart. Well, if you looked at the amount of time you actually give the world and the amount of time that you give God, you'd have to say, I love him with a small portion of my heart. But with that small portion, I really do love him. Because see, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In this case, it says, well, where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be. And actually where you find yourself. So where do you find yourself being? See, Jesus said what? Through all the writers, he said, I want to actually be with you in everything. So acknowledge me in all your ways. And we very rarely acknowledge him in almost anything except when it comes to Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, got to go to church. You got to go? Or you get to go. <laughs> Come on. I'm not trying to be hard on you. I want you to find him. Listen to this closely. A lady called me up, and she said she was one of my mom's friends. And then she didn't like me anymore. <laughs> but she called me up and said, Jim, this tumor is starting to bleed now. She said, I'm praying more, I'm reading more, and I'm confessing more than I've ever done in my life. What else do I have to do? So isn't it interesting? She's doing more of what she's done, and there's no change, but she wants to do more. I'm driving to California. It's been four months. I haven't gotten there, but I want to go faster, and I want to go farther, and I want to get there quicker. You're on the wrong road for crying out loud. You would have been there like three and a half months ago, right? right? Don't take that long to get there. So I said to her, for the next couple of weeks, don't read your Bible, don't pray, and don't confess. And it got real quiet. And when she finally came back on the phone, she said, could you repeat that, please? I said, it's not that difficult. Just for the next couple of weeks, don't read anything, don't pray, and don't confess anything. She said, what am I supposed to do? And she snapped at me. And I said, find God. I said, when he becomes real to you and you find him, everything you read, everything you pray, and everything you confess will be connected to him. I'm driving through the mountains, and I'm calling Aaron. Oh, drop the phone call. What's the first thing that I do? I look to see if I have any what? Bars. And I realize I got one little guy. Well, that's why I dropped it. So I call her again. And I say, honey, I'm... So then I get to a high place. They say, oh, I got three bars. Call her. Listen, I'm going through the mountains. I'll call you what? Because now I already started going down. 
It's about bars. See, the good news is, through the wonderful work of Christ, he has five bars on you, and he'll never take them off. You can't mess that up. God's got five bars on the whole world. He's already reconciled the whole world unto himself. What does that mean? He paid the price so that you could have fellowship, a relationship, communion, interaction, get to know him personally. He's got five bars, but you got a, you got a cell phone too. And what you choose and how you choose either connects you to the flesh and the world or connects you to God and the spirit. So you either gain bars or you lose bars. Good word. Good word. He's more real to you right now than he probably has been possibly during the week. Why? Because you're in an atmosphere where we're all fo focused, focused, focused. See, the moment you begin to focus on God speaks. Remember what Moses did? He turned to see why the bush burned but was not consumed. And when he turned, God spoke. When did God speak? When Moses turned. Why? Because the moment Moses gave focus... God spoke. The mo moment Moses gave God his attention, God spoke. Our attentions are being eaten up by the world. Okay, so just let me read on real quickly here. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. That's pretty good. So then notice what he goes on to say. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, Yes, we have. That's why we're here. It follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more than your outer appearance and the clothes you hang on your body. Then notice what he says. Look at the birds. Really, Jim? You, 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 you preach for 35 minutes and you're coming down to look at the birds? Yes. Look at the birds. Well, why would you come to that? That seems ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. He's drawing your attention to something of this world that he created that will embellish your feelings and emotions about him. Isn't it interesting how Jesus preached? You know, he didn't drown people in scripture. He gave scripture to two classes of people, to the Pharisees and the devil. Do you know what he did with people? He found out, what do you do for a living? You say, well, I'm a farmer. Oh, I love farming. In fact, you probably know something about seeds, don't you? He goes, yes, I do. In the same way that a seed goes into the earth and dies and yet brings forth, the Father right now, by his Spirit, goes into your heart and brings forth the truth of his glory. And this man right here would go, I get that. Why? Because he brought him to a connection that's real and then took the same feelings and emotions and brought those to God. Jesus was doing this all the time. So he said, hey, 
Let me help you with something. You guys are all over, all over the map about clothes, about the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word. Let me help you something. Have you ever looked at a bird lately? You say, no, I really haven't. Well, look at one. How much does he care? It doesn't look like he cares at all. And does he get fed? Seems like it. Doesn't seem to be worried. Ah, and so it is if you follow me. You'll not be worried. You'll not be full of care. Your life will be carefree in the care of God. And someone says, really? Yes. And if you really want to struggle a little bit more, then look at the wildflowers. Amen? Most of the wildflowers my father created, mankind has never even seen yet. And still, he makes wildflowers to cover a field and give beauty. And they don't even, they don't even try. They just grow. I mean, you know how hard you try to get something to grow. But the wildflowers, they just do it automatically. And then what does he say? The wildflowers are better dressed than the 10 best men and women dressed in the world. And they don't even spend any time trying to get themselves all spiffed up. And then what is he trying to say by saying that? He said, you're spending too much time on you. Go ahead and give me a little bit of that time, and I'll not only clothe you, but I'll wrap you tight with my glory. And you'll walk on places you've never walked before. And then he says, so here's, I'll tell you what to do. Just put all of your attention into God realities. Don't fuss about what's on the table. Don't fuss about what you're wearing. Just get your mind fixed on me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, I know you need them, but I'll bring them to you while you're enjoying me. We have Adventure in Grace videos we do. It's a YouTube channel every Tuesday and, and Friday. It's just 20-minute videos. This is what we talk about, getting people connected to God. Because when you get connected to him, things happen. Like a lady wrote in, she said, going through the, the drive-through with my kids after an event, and she said, they ordered so much, I didn't have enough money to get what I wanted. What I wanted was a turtle ice cream sundae. But I thought to myself, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to wait till the next time. I pulled up to the window, and here comes a little girl with an ice cream sundae. She said, here's your turtle ice cream sundae. She said, uh, I didn't order one. She said, oh, well, I guess it's our mistake. You can have it anyhow. You say, what is that? That's grace. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Let me help you with that. That's such a great example. But I've got cancer in the third stage. So nice example but try dealing with what I'm dealing with. And then I would say, oh, brother, oh, brother. The same connection that gets an ice cream is the same connection oh, that kills a cancer. Absolutely. Amen. Did you never read over in Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, then it would be the little repairs and the little experiences that bring you back to God. Because to acknowledge that and say, thank you, Lord, I know that's your grace, is for God to say, would you like to see more? Because you see, there's more, but we're just not seeing it. So why did Paul pray that, oh, God, open their eyes? Because we're not seeing what we can see. 
But when you begin to experience the smallest of things, well, do I have to wait until I experience something? That's the beauty of it. You find out over in Romans, and I'm just cutting to the chase here, over in Romans chapter 1, you find out that it's the, the intrinsic value in what God has made in the earth that causes you to see the invisible attributes of God. The lowest level of making a connection with God is nature. To see a beautiful sunrise or to see a beautiful sunset and say, God, that's awesome. It's for God to say, would you like to see more? See, there are things around you all, all, at all times. And we're missing the opportunities. So you're trying to tell me that if I start to look at some of the things that are around me, that God's going to start to work with me. Yes and no. If you do it with that attitude. Right. <laughs> it's like saying, Mom, thanks a lot for the meal. Well, I don't think she's going to actually be too excited about giving you another one. But if you actually allow your heart to be invested in thankfulness Amen. with what you can see, then the ability of God will begin to work in and through you for what you can't see. And the testimonies we see are absolutely amazing when people just start at just the smallest of level. That's why I wanted to preach this this morning as it's 12 minutes after 12. We're just going to minister to healing to a few people real quick here. And then, of course, we'll have tonight to come back. But I wanted you to be able to take something even this afternoon and begin to make connections. It's all about connections. Everything in the Bible I'm reading for the sake of me making a connection. Like, why am I going to go through 20 weeks of a course on righteousness if it doesn't come down to the fact righteousness is I am so right now in God that I can walk right into the throne of God and shake hands with my Father. I mean, if it leads me, if it leaves me 20 weeks with the ability to argue that righteousness is something that we have, but I still can't produce any results, I didn't get the whole importance of this. Like any doctrine is to lead me to the person of God. I'm actually going to be spending my lifetime with a person, not with doctrines. So the understanding of truth and the word of God, my time in prayer, my confession, it all leads me to God is so real. Did you see what he just did in my life? In Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty-seven 27 to 30, you don't have to turn there. In the Message Bible, he turned to the people and now tenderly he said, I don't know why I quote it every single week. Why are you laughing? Help me. My father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father and son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the father like the son does, nor the son like the father does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.